Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey friends, welcome back to Life on Word. Today we are continuing our study of Matthew chapter 27. We are on part four of six episodes as we slowly walk our way through this chapter. In the last episode, we read of Jesus being flogged by the Roman soldiers, making his way to Golgotha, and being hung on the cross. In this episode, we will look at how many of the people witnessing Jesus' crucifixion continue to mock him, and then we'll finish with the account of Jesus' death. Once again, just a warning if you are listening with kids, this is a, uh, a graphic account as we lead to Jesus' death. I'm going to read starting in verse 39 and go through verse 50. With that, let's get started. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you were the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filling it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. So, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you know that we are continuing to cover the very heavy account of Jesus being on the cross. We finished last time with Jesus getting to Golgotha, being nailed to the cross, and having a sign put above his head reading, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. While the sign was placed there as a way of mocking Jesus and deterring people from opposing Roman rule, we know that it was the absolute truth. We pick up today in verse 39 with a sad account which details how Jesus continues to be mocked by those surrounding him as he endures the agony of being on the cross. Three different groups hurl insults on him in this account. The people that were passing by, many of the religious leaders of Israel, and the criminals that hung on the crosses on either side of him. 
Remember from the last episode that the Roman soldiers had mocked Jesus for the claim that he was the king of the Jews. This was the charge that the religious leaders had brought him to Pilate on. Here, though, the people are insulting him for different reasons. First, the people yell out to him, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. They believe that if the claims about him were accurate, he should have no trouble saving himself. Similarly, the religious leaders also mock him because of his identity as God's son. They were the ones responsible for his death, yet they still felt the need to come all the way to Golgotha to continue to belittle him. We don't know exactly what the criminals crucified with Jesus were saying to him, but we know that in all these cases, the people were throwing back at him direct and indirect claims Jesus had made about himself, the temple, and his identity as the Son of God and Messiah. If you remember back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry in chapter 4, the devil tempted Jesus in ways that sound very similar to what Jesus experienced while being on the cross. The devil said things like, if you are the son of God, eat this bread, or throw yourself down off this building, or take the easy way and become king of the kingdom now. In that time, Jesus answered the devil with passages of scripture after each temptation. Jesus now, in this account, remains silent before his accusers, confident in his identity and vocation, even in these last moments on the cross. We see in this passage another allusion to Psalm 22, this time verses 6 and 7, which state, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they wag their heads. We also see the deep irony that the religious leaders thought the battle had been won by sending the supposed Son of God, according to them, to his death. They believe that through having him killed, they can go back to normal life and assume the authority they love to have over the Jewish people. But Jesus had always known that his ministry was leading him right here to the cross. He knew that it was actually his death that would defeat death itself. Through his act on the cross, the world can be saved. Once again, Psalm 22 continues to play out here, now in verse 8, which states, He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Jesus knows that God the Father delights in him. He knows that by going to the cross, he is fulfilling the mission he came to earth to do. The religious leaders and people don't see it now, but as we know, Jesus will be resurrected and this will be a definitive sign of his Messiahship and identity as the Son of God. In verse 45, we now come to the account of Jesus' death. From noon until 3 p.m. on that day, the world had gone dark. According to Mark's gospel, Jesus had already been on the cross for about three hours when darkness came over the land. Throughout the Bible, there is a common theme of light and darkness. Light is always symbolizing God and rightness, while darkness symbolizes anything that is against God. So the world going dark while Jesus is on the cross is a special act done by God, likely to show his judgment of the sins of the world. Sometime around 3 p.m., Jesus cried out, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? in Aramaic. 
Once again, we come back to the allusion of Psalm 22 with Jesus' words being a direct quote of Psalm 22, verse 1. Looking at each of the four Gospels, there are seven cries that Jesus makes from the cross, but this one is the only one that Matthew records. This shows us the significance of this moment. In this moment, Jesus feels abandoned by the Father as he bears the sins of the world. He feels the Father's cup of wrath against the world being poured out on him. And there is one side note I want to make here. Some people have read this passage and concluded that there must have been a break in the Trinity at this time. If this were true, there would be major implications for the doctrine of the Trinity, but this is not the case. Instead, remember that Christians have always affirmed that Jesus has two natures, a human nature and a divine nature. He is 100% man and 100% God. Jesus, in his divine nature, was not separated from the Father during this time. Rather, in his human nature, he experienced the weight of sin and the temporary abandonment of the Father. This led the early church to the doctrine of the atonement, particularly to the idea of penal substitution, which is that Jesus on the cross suffered the punishment for our sin so that we don't have to when we put our trust in him. Picking up in verse 47, the people who heard Jesus cry out to God assumed he was crying out to the prophet Elijah. This is because the Aramaic word for God sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for Elijah. After hearing Jesus' cry, one of the people nearby went and filled a sponge with vinegar so Jesus could have a drink. While this may have been an act of compassion, the others nearby said to stop giving him a drink because they wanted to see if Elijah would actually come. In verse 50, Matthew records that Jesus cried out again and gave up his spirit. As John says in his gospel, it has been finished. Jesus had completed what he'd come to do. So now we've made it to another stopping point in chapter 27. Instead of talking about how we can apply this passage to our lives, I want to do something different. We're now going to just take some time to reflect on the weight of this passage and all that Jesus endured and experienced as he stayed committed to his mission. We know that he was resurrected, but we must not skip over the pain and darkness Jesus felt as the world's evil was heaped upon him.
Today we continued our study of Matthew chapter 27. We read of Jesus being mocked by the people around him while he hung on the cross, how he felt forsaken by the Father, and how he gave up his final breath. In the next episode, we will read of the testimonies of Jesus' death and the role that women played in his burial. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. Check out the episode description to see the source materials I studied for this episode. As we near the end of Matthew's Gospel, make sure you are subscribed to the Life on Word newsletter so you don't miss out on what is to come. Until next time.